0: (laughs) all right what's up everybody and welcome to episode number 102 of uncovering unexplained mysteries for friday july 20th 2018 my name is josh cannon i am here with my co-host mike this feels like some kind of a deposition so far like i've my name is Josh Cannon. I was born September 2nd, 1988. <laughs> I am a white male from Jacksonville, Florida. And I am. Uh, everything I am about to say is the truth to the best of my knowledge. I am here with my co-host, Mike Brown. How are you doing, Mike?
1: I'm doing good. Uh, I uh, have been having a lot more luck with uh, job interviews and callbacks than I've had in years. So this has been uh, quite the change of pace. Uh, I got an interview at Burger King, and then I got another interview for, uh, Firehouse Subs, and Firehouse Subs went well enough that I got an interview slated to talk to the GM of that that store next week. Um, Comcast actually did call me back, but they did it while I was at an interview, so there's no way I could call back, you know, way I could answer the phone. So then I called the number they gave me and I just left a message and I still haven't gotten a call back. So I don't know what's going, going on with that. What's this Comcast do, thing you're talking about? It's a retail uh, uh, sales job at Comcast. You know, probably oh. on the phone, selling stuff, helping people out, whatever. Yeah, I'd take that I, if I, I could get man. it. I
0: could tell you right now, you probably you probably wouldn't like that job. Like, that sounds What right. do you mean? sounds very um every comcast person i've ever dealt with they're very high pressure they're very like bugging the hell out of you to like upgrade or add on i don't
1: know everyone i've talked to hasn't been really like that i i just call and ask for help and they transfer me to whatever the area that uh, i i need to to uh get a hold of to help me with whatever issue i have and I don't know. I just haven't had any really bad experiences with Comcast, I well, know, a lot of people
0: have. Do you handle but, your own and, do you pay your own internet own? bill? Uh yeah, I do. <laughs> you do pay your own internet bill? Yeah. And you've never had any you, you've never had any no. billing issue with
1: them? No.
0: Well, I have, and whenever I called for up for the
1: billing issues with them, you know, usually it involves people not reading the fine print and realizing that, "Oh, it's, it's my my deal is expi- expires 12 months from now." And then not bothering to try to get something new set up or whatever. And so then when they get a bill at the end of 12 months and it's higher than what they were paying, they're all like, what the fuck? You know, and it's like, you you should have known that was going to happen. Well, even though that
0: is pretty much exactly what happened to me, I still feel like they're
1: high pressure. (laughs) See, I, I knew it. I knew it was exactly what happened to you. Yeah, no, no, well, it's it's you know, it's it's reading it's cool. and it's me fun.
0: me and long contracts of fine print <laughs> don't go together very well. Speaking of um of of company-wide uh negligence, um I'm on an anti-anxiety medication called clonopin and um yeah. I got a refill of it because uh the whole opioid epidemic going on right now, yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. It's 10 times harder to get prescriptions for shit. Even if you rightfully get a doctor's prescription for it and you actually need it, it's still a pain in the yeah. dick to get, you know, re- get your prescription refilled. I, so for me, they give me two refills, then I got to go all the way back to my doctor, make another appointment to see him. He's located all the way out in the fucking sticks. It's like a like thirty-five or forty-minute drive just to see his ass, just so I can sit in his examining room. And go, yeah, I need another prescription of the stuff yeah. I've been taking for years now. And he's like, "Oh, okay. He, well, he's actually he's actually a pretty
1: cool dude. He's like, wouldn't it be nice if you could just do that online,
0: or or just have him fax it or something like you used yeah. to be able to do? But nope, not anymore. There's new laws and new this, that, and the other. So I, I take my prescription, and because of my stupid ass health. Hey, you Canadian listeners. Uh, you have have a good laugh at us at our expense right now. This is the bullshit Americans have to go through. So my insur- my health insurance company only allows me um it's Blue Cross of uh, Florida. They only allow me to go through Walgreens to get my prescriptions. Wow. Why they have a monopoly on what pharmacy you can go to is beyond me. I mean, I beyond me. essentially
1: what is Medicaid, and I can go anywhere. Like Fred Meyer, yeah, well, other places.
0: I have to just go to Walgreens. So I went to Walgreens to drop my prescription off. And granted, you know, I'm not as bad off as some people. I could probably go a few days without... My anti-anxiety medication. Um, yeah, I
1: start to. Would fe- you rather not?
0: I'd rather not, and I start to feel it when I go a while without taking it. And, uh-huh. and some some people could be thinking, "Oh, we'll see." You're that's that's still addiction, Josh. Well, let me tell you something. I've had I was born with fucking anxiety. Okay, it's something I've had my whole entire life, and you know. It's not like I was fine and then I started taking this medication and now I get anxiety when I don't take it. It's like, no, no, I I should have been taking Klonopin my whole life because I've had anxiety my whole life. Just now yeah. or in the past few years since I've been taking it, it's made my quality of life a little better. So anyway, I go to drop the prescription off and... The lady tells me that there is a store-wide uh, back order, and not just that store, but all of Walgreens in Jacksonville, oh, and wow. it, until July 29th at
1: least. Damn.
0: And and then she goes, "What other patients have been doing is they've just been having their doctor prescribe something else to them." And it's like, no, motherfucker, I've been, t- I know how this stuff works in my body. I don't want to switch to Xanax. I don't want to switch to another benzodiazepine. This one works for me, and I want to stick to it. Like, that's insane to, to ask me to go to a different kind of benzo because they all work different. <laughs> and, and then she's like, oh, well, you could just go to a different pharmacy. And it's like, well, you know, thankfully for me, I'm able to afford to go outside of my little chain of pharmacies I'm allowed to go to, and I can still afford my prescription even though it's at a higher price. But what about all the people out there who would be too poor to go to another pharmacy and pay the $30 instead of the $5 for the medication. And it's just like, what's funny to me is like, you know, you mess up at your job, I mess up at my job. It could be a small mistake and we could get fired for it. But these big companies can can, can be so incompetent to where they don't even order enough medication or they aren't even able to get enough medication from the supplier that... All of their patients that go to Walgreens are having to wait two and three weeks without this medication that could potentially stop them from having crazy panic attacks. And anxiety yeah. episodes
1: well it's probably not just that type of medication it's probably other medication too what if it's somebody who's in like crippling pain or has some other uh oh, god, issues or, god forbid that's a life-threatening <laughs> thing that you would know be they hell. need the medication for like their blood pressure or some of these other things i just find it funny
0: that these these big companies can get away with that kind of shit and there's literally nothing we can do about it Now, uh, you can... Well, it's like uh, cable companies. yeah There's
1: nothing we can do about it. HughesNet can do all this crazy shit because they actually were given permission by the the state or whatever to do whatever the fuck they wanted to. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I think, obviously not shopping there is a good thing. I fucking hate Walgreens. I would (laughs) go to CVS all day uh, if if my insurance allowed me to go there but uh i i for one i don't like the vibe in the store what if in
1: the past uh, robert stack was a sponsor for walgreens
0: look robert stack <laughs> is just doing this shit for money okay he's trying to get paid he's trying to get a paycheck so he can buy more trench coats trench coats don't grow on trees and that's what the deal is with robert stack so i i would see i would i would respect his hustle I'd be like, all right, Robbie Stack's trying to get paid. I can respect that. But uh, speaking of uh, fraudulent bullshit, let's go to our first fraud case. This is a podcast all about frauds, by the way. Yeah,
1: it's an all-fraud spectacular.
0: I guess before I go into that, though, I should probably plug some shit. So if you want to join us on Facebook, you go to uh, the Facebook groups section of Facebook. And just search for Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries or just type it into the search bar and hit groups and join our group. It's an amazing group. Latest breaking news on anything Unsolved Mysteries, uh, jokes, guffaws, gifs, and many other silly anomalies go on in there. And then there's some other things in there that might be very valuable to certain people that I can't mention. Um... If you want to contribute to us on Patreon, consider doing that. Patreon.com slash Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries. You get the podcast early, or if you don't get the podcast early, you at least get a bonus segment, which is what you got this week. Our Patreon listeners got to listen to me and Mike talk about Eileen Mangold. Um, And we have merch, finally. We have t-shirts for the podcast. So if you want to support this podcast and show the world... How much you love listening to mediocrity, then consider clicking on the link in this description um, of this. Uh, Such
1: of- a great way of selling the show.
0: Well, I mean, yeah. You know, I just, my only hope is that, like all these people who really like our podcast, I hope they don't discover that there's other podcasts out there that exist. <laughs> because then they will truly see just how they know that already (laughs) come on they will see just how we're
1: we're not the only unsolved mysteries podcast either now there's like half a dozen at least oh
0: yeah at least but yeah you should buy up some of these shirts because uh i got a. there was a quick little burst of people buying them at first but now it's like definitely slowed to a a very 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 slow trickle and uh i want to get get rid of them maybe
1: you should maybe you can make some of them a patreon thing
0: yeah, I don't know. Um, I paid a lot of money for him, so I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. But anyway, all that shit's <laughs> out of the way. Uh, me and Mike always love the fraud segments. Um, I, I said this, and I think it echoes Mike's They're sentiments. just
1: absolutely fantastic. Yeah, They're fabulous.
0: I, I think it's become both of our new favorite like category in Unsolved Mysteries.
1: I've always liked fraud. I, I, I always was drawn to fraud segments, even when I was a kid, watching them on Lifetime. I mean they're they're just different than a lot of the cases they normally cover on the show and you really don't see very many fraud cases covered on true crime shows today so that's another reason why it stands out yeah although i think there was something on investigation discovery that was like about fraud but i don't remember what it was called
0: yeah i i don't know what it is that i like so much about the fraud cases i think it's just the
1: um the audacity of some of these people
0: the audacity i, mean, that's, that's... I like the ingenuity of
1: the person yeah. committing the fraud, I like. Well, th- some of them are just really entertaining. I mean, uh, the, the fruitcake uh, fraudster, the gal with the fr- who loved the, who loved fruitcake.
0: Yeah, the old granny who was. Yeah, she was running some kind. <laughs> co- and let me tell you something. I know I, I might have said this last episode. If the if the murder and like you know rape categories go to like men by and large in the fraud sector it is like 50 yeah. 50 if not more or leaning even towards more women. than that
1: for yeah there's a lot of women uh who are total fraudsters you got the uh the mother-daughter couple not couple i mean the mother-daughter uh group that is uh that does the whole uh fortune teller scam thing yeah you don't gotta go through every single one but let
0: it be known yeah, that there, know. there is a lot
1: I wasn't going to. I was just bringing up that one just as a as a reference. You know what? Trust Fuck me. it, Mike.
0: Now I do want you to go through every single one. That's what this <laughs> podcast me- is. It's going to be Mike naming every single female <laughs> fraud case ever.
1: I don't remember all of it. I don't remember all of it. Well, then what good so- are you?
0: <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking of women fraudsters, um, <laughs> guys, if you thought that this was going to improve after 100 episodes... You are sorely, sorely mistaken. I felt like uh, that would have been good in a David Miscavige voice. If you thought this podcast was going to improve after a hundred episodes, you are sorely mistaken.
1: <laughs> nice. I, I was looking forward to hearing that impression on your documentary video you posted recently oh, on the yeah. YouTube channel. But
0: I should have busted that out.
1: You're right. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the case. But at least, at least it's there. So
0: this is the case of Robin Stevens and Sherry Amore, pretty little one that I adore. No, it's a Sherry Seymour. Is her
1: Sherry? Name.
0: Yeah, that's another Sherry song. Uh, this is this is a man. Well, well, you'll 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 find out. In February of 1989, Korean immigrant Yong Sun Kim placed an ad for a roommate in her home in Tampa, Florida, because of course this has to be in Florida. She had recently gone through a painful divorce and was hoping to find companionship to get her through this difficult time as a bizarre way to find companionship looking for a random yeah. roommate online or on Craigslist, essentially before there was a Craigslist. But hey, yeah, there's
1: no way that that's going to backfire. No, not, a, not at all. Go horribly awry.
0: No, be completely legitimate. So four days after the ad appeared in the newspaper, she received a response from a mother and daughter calling themselves Penny and Tracy Donald. They claimed to work at a local gift shop. Young son was immediately impressed by the women's friendly and easygoing demeanor. The next day, the Donald's moved into the home. The next day, the Donald's moved into the home.
1: I would want to do some extra background checks and stuff. I mean, it probably, it might have been harder to do that back then, but I think you could still do that. Like, okay, what gift shop is it? All right, go to the phone book. Because people used to use something called the phone book, folks.
0: <laughs> oh, listen to listen to you acting like you were alive during a time where phone books were that. You were, uh, yeah. You
1: were alive. We were.
0: I could say we in this case because we're the same age. We were alive for maybe five or six years of of, of phone book relevancy. I, I,
1: I would I would say it was actually longer than that for sure. They didn't really completely get phased out until the mid two thousands or something like that.
0: Yeah, I remember looking through phone books though when you want to order food or pizza or something, my mom'd be like, Get the phone book out and look under uh R for restaurants <laughs> or, or F for food yeah. or whatever. Do you remember those coupon books? Oh yeah, they still the mint magazines and shit?
1: Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah. No, not just that. There were actually these books, like you buy at a mall or something, and they had all these coupons. And, um, oh, that yeah. Were like you could tear them out. Yeah.
0: It was, didn't, you, didn't you pay like 5 or $10, but the whole claim yeah. on the outside was like $50 worth of coupons? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you spent every single one of them, and if you <laughs> had like one of them would be like uh, free second pizza. When you buy one pizza at Pizza Hut, it's like, well, what, what if I only need one pizza? <laughs> You you better have a lot of hungry people with you For those coupons (laughs) Uh, to really work Yeah Anyway, um, so These people appear to be perfect roommates Offering young son uh, Comfort as she dealt with her divorce She felt that Penny was like a mother to her And Tracy was like a daughter A month after moving in The Donalds persuaded young son To visit friends in the Midwest They convinced her that the trip would make her feel better They even paid for her plane ticket She never saw the Donald's again. Aww. During her trip, she called the Donald's almost every day and talked to them. On the 19th day, however, she called and received no answer. Concerned, she contacted the Donald's employer and was surprised to learn that the women had not been to work in over two weeks. She was horrified to hear rumors of satanic rituals being performed in her home. That's a curveball in this story where'd that come from satanic panic yeah man we got i swear to god we got to do that episode here soon
1: yeah um so so yeah that definitely would be horrifying but at the same time it would just be one of those like holy shit my day just got a lot more interesting yeah yeah, right
0: (laughs) so she immediately called the airport and arranged to come home young son feared that the donalds had become victims of foul play. When she returned, she had a police escort come with her in, into her home. Upon entering, she noticed that some things appeared to be out of place. The Donalds were nowhere to be found, and she feared for their lives. She then discovered that her bedroom had been completely ransacked. All of her expensive jewelry was missing. When the officer checked the other rooms, he found blood on the wall. Authorities suspected that it had come from an animal. On another wall, the number 666 were written in (laughs) lipstick and Uh, it was just so obviously fake just it was the most like phoned in
1: satanic
0: ransacking you've ever seen Uh it's just like
1: They they didn't even put like a pentagram or anything there was no there there really wasn't much effort put into it at all like you said just completely phoned in fake as hell Oh, we're just gonna write six 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 because I heard that it was evil. That it was the number of the beast in that Iron Maiden song. So just put that on on the wall, and that that makes it satanic. Yeah, I mean (laughs) that
0: that'd be like, I mean you might as well like that would be like trying to like pin something on some a bunch of skinheads and you like fuck up someone's house and you just write like a fucking swastika with pencil on a notepad.
1: <laughs> and just and just pin that to the yeah, fucking wall yeah just pin it to the just wall some shitty scrawled swastika on a on a piece of yeah because if you paper. think about
0: it it was lipstick <laughs> so it was something that the the women already had on them they just pulled it out and scrawled it on the wall
1: they, they didn't even use the blood on the wall yeah from, they, like, they, the yeah, they
0: could have used the animal blood at least but no they use fucking lipstick but that's
1: another thing like is, is this did they actually go to the length of killing an animal to try to make it look like it's a satanic ritual and they went that far and were that accurate but then they did the fucking half-assed lipstick six six six. I mean,
0: honestly, I have a fucking possum that they could use if they want some more animal blood, <laughs> or a skink. No, the skink is 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 deceased. Um, I found a body, a shriveled lizard skink oh. body in my um, in my little band room or whatever. Unless that was another skink. I'm yeah, that skink's deceased, and I don't think. I don't know if they have like red blood in them.
1: I mean, they Rest must... in peace, Skink Farina. Poor...
0: Skink Farina. Skink Farina. <laughs> Forgot about that. God damn it. Join our group and you'll you'll get that inside joke. <laughs> uh, so authorities soon determined that the Donalds had staged the scene to make it look like they had been victims of yeah, a Yeah, No, duh. Cult. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> In actuality, they had conned Young's son out of $50,000 in jewelry and other valuables. Police investigations revealed that the two women were not mother and daughter at all. (gasps) Go figure. But they were actually Robin Stevens and Sherry Seymour, a con artist team responsible for several other crimes. They had bilked victims of up to $100,000.
1: I I love the picture they were showing on this segment when they were displaying, they were talking about these two. It's one of those just typically just awkward family photos that they did back in the day where one person has a pose or they're sitting down and then they have another person that's floating in the sky above. What, what, What one are you talking about? Because they showed that, remember that in this particular segment? Oh, they had-
0: yeah, where where they have the, <laughs> yeah, where they got the one person's dumb face and they're like kind of, yeah. kind of looking over their shoulder or something, and then the other uh-huh. person's like, they're like superimposed above their yeah. head. Like, yeah.
1: This is just absolutely just horrible por- portraits back in the day they were just terrible i don't know why anybody thought that was a good idea you, you know
0: someone there was someone out there who did that first you know whenever it was back <laughs> in the 60s or whatever
1: 70s seven,
0: probably. 70s and they showed it to someone and you know like some of them were like that looks fucking stupid i hate you but then there was like that one person that's like say that looks really cool can you do that for my family? Like people wrote off on that uh, for that to become, and everyone knows everyone go to your grandparents' house. There is a picture like that somewhere where it's <laughs> one person's face and then another person's stupid face. Like they're the moon or some shit. And
1: yeah, cause that's the thing. It's like, they're, it's, it's their, it's their disembodied floating head or some you shit. You know who had the best one <laughs> of
0: that was my aunt and uncle and my, my fat porcelain white cousin, when he was a baby (laughs) all right so my
1: aunt i'm just imagining that and it's already cracking me. yeah my
0: aunt and uncle uh they had they had adopted my cousin and they had like really like went through a lot of shit you know to get him (laughs) whatever they were obsessed with this kid like my cousin's like 27 now or whatever but back in Uh the day you know when when they first got him or whatever as my cousin likes to say when they first bought him um (laughs) They took so many pictures They had a wall in their house Dedicated to just pictures of him And when he was a baby And he still is porcelain white But as a baby, you know, you're all plump and smooth And all, he was so white If the sun hit him It would blind you to look at him even (laughs) So they had that picture That we're talking about And it's my aunt and uncle like like spooning And then (laughs) To the, (laughs) the upper left hand corner There's just my Cousin's big round stupid baby face just over them like he literally is the moon like and what's funny is my uncle is mexican so it does not at all look like his kid it looks like he was kidnapped or something <laughs> my aunt's white but my uncle is is as mexican as it got and he had like you know the mustache and everything and it was just like dude it was hilarious like i i wished I, I i used to call it the wall of steven growing up um i hope he doesn't listen to this podcast this is like the second or third thing i've divulged about this man's life that he has not oh come on he is not signed off on it's
1: harmless i feel it's like harmless it is, fun yeah.
0: So anyway, the results of this case is uh these two women were captured when the story first aired. <laughs> they had some great mugshots too. Oh god. Just just <laughs> the most stereotypical unsolved mysteries, women wearing the big Welders 90s glasses or <laughs> 80s glasses, where you could just see well from every conceivable angle, cause these covered your entire eye socket area. There was no there would be no spot where this glass was not covering your eye. Well, I mean, Sherry,
1: she's got this just horrible bedhead. I mean, it is just terrible. Or post-sex hair, whichever. Yeah. And uh, the, uh Robin, she just has this like, what's up? Yeah. Look on her face. Yeah, <laughs> her she looks, chin's up. She
0: looks like she's about to, like, fuck someone up.
1: Yeah, she's like, come on. What'd you say about
0: me? What'd you say about my glasses? <laughs> I'll have you know that these are the hottest thing right now, according to uh, Fashion Weekly's 1988 edition of uh, Eyeglass Reader, or whatever the fuck, Eyeglass Enthusiast, Enthusiast, Enthusiast. Okay, let me let me try to stop improv-ing right now because I'm clearly not good at it. Um, anyway, Unsolved Mysteries re- received a, a surprise call from an Oklahoma woman named Sherry Lowe. She recognized quote Robin Stevens as her Mister, as her missing sister-in-law, Robin. <laughs> I knew you were gonna fucking call me out on that. Uh anyway, she recognized Robin Stevens as her missing sister-in-law, Robin Elizabeth Lowe. So technically, her real name is Robin Lowe. Like, I guess the female form of Rob Lowe. Anyway. I mean, I figured you'd appreciate that semi-dad joke there, Mike. I was gonna say it if you weren't, but you know. <laughs> good, good thing we have the dad jokes on deck here. You know, one of us is gonna get to it. Robin had vanished in 1987 after telling Sherry that she was going on a co- cross-country trip with a truck driver. She was never heard from again in her family suspected foul play. During the progress report, Sherry made a personal appeal to Robin to turn herself in. Three days after the progress report, Lowe and Seymour were arrested by FBI agents outside of Austin, Texas. At the time of their arrest, the two were making arrangements to purchase a house in the area. They returned to Florida to face grand theft and forgery charges. They each faced, or they each received five years in prison. Low was released in 2001. Seymour was released in 2006. Now, one thing that I would like to say about this is uh, this is fascinating for a few reasons because Rob Robin Lowe was thought to have been she just went missing, and her family thought that she was murdered and. The amount of times we've covered cases on here where we're like, mm-hmm. okay, the person went missing, no one's heard from him or, th- or them or whatever, they're dead. You know, they've got to be dead. What's What else could they do? Surely they're not going to go cross country with some trucker and start frauding people out thousands of dollars, so they must be dead. Well, this proves me wrong at least because now I see that, yes, people can just go missing and start a life of crime.
1: <laughs> yep. And apparently segments can go missing too, because this is actually a missing segment uh, from uh, the Amazon episode. So if you want to watch this segment, too bad. You have to, too bad. You got to find some other way.
0: And I'm, I, I don't have this segment. I'm just, I have perfect recollection of Unsolved Mysteries episodes.
1: <laughs> so total recall. So we got even more fraud for you. Uh, this time the case of Edward Maynard, uh, who was also known as Eric Kessler. He is another sweetheart swindler, which I find is just a is just a fancy way of of labeling some dickhead who likes to just steal money from women. So they don't, they don't want to say like, "Oh, he's the dickhead who steals money from women." No, he's just a sweetheart swindler.
0: Why did why do these guys who who play on women's emotions and steal from them? Why do they get nice like euphemisms for? Being a piece of shit, you
1: know that's not fair. I, I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, if you look at this guy, he, he definitely looks like he's a swindler for sure. His face—he looks as
0: though he's indulging in a in a very long fart. Like he's just, <laughs> his, he just he looks. It looks. It looks like one of those farts that you hold in all day, and then you just get to an area where no one's around, and you just. Let it go, and the face that you, you make—let it rip. Yeah, the face that you make—it's—it's it's like this guy was in like mid elevator fart, and that's the face he's making. If that <laughs> does anything for anyone out there, if that helps you visualize, well,
1: he has a smug look on his face. He's got the he smir- he's got a smirk. And apparently, yeah, is he it? is German. Yeah, he is from Deutschland. Very uh, mischievous. So, and I would have to say, this is another segment where they, this one is on Amazon, by the way. This one, they didn't do the greatest job casting the guy either in the reenactment. They look nothing alike. No. Like the guy in the reenactment looks fairly good looking, you know? The real Edward Maynard and Eric Kessler, you know, it looks, it looks hit like Hitchcock or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, he does. It's true. So, uh, Edward Chase Maynard is another sweetheart swindler known for attracting women and then depleting their bank accounts or robbing them of valuables to finance his expensive lifestyle. One of the victims he conned was a successful, was a successful hair salon owner, Catherine, which isn't a real name. They just gave her a name in order to protect her identity. In September 9, 8, 1986, Maynard met Catherine at a singles party. He claimed that he was Eric Kessler, a successful German businessman who was staying in the area for a year. When she told him about her business, he claimed that he knew of an invention that could help her. The invention was a computerized video makeover that could allow a customer to pick from a variety of different colors and hairstyles and place them on the photograph. Now, <laughs> and This is late 80s stuff yeah. or early 90s technology, folks. So it does not hold up well at all i'm
0: not one to like pick on unsolved mysteries bad like the datedness of some of the episodes and god knows anytime you involve technology in any tv show you have just dated Mm -hmm. that tv show even if you look at like some csi miami or whatever and if it's you know early enough they're pulling out their their motorola razor flip phones and shit and it's like oh yeah being
1: dated is a part of of media it's just it's just an inescapable part of any form of right but this this particular
0: thing is like beautifully dated because it it is being passed off as like cutting edge technology and it's essentially (laughs) just some kind of like
1: image proto photoshop
0: yeah it's like some kind of imaging software where it just takes a face and and it just you can you can put all these like pre-rendered hairstyles on the head it's like
1: the stuff you can do on your phone for free with an app yeah. But
0: back then you needed like a a a, a computer the size of a a uh, Toyota fucking Camry <laughs> to do what you can do now on your little matchbox
1: phone. It wasn't it wasn't that the the makeover system itself wasn't that big. It was more like a small TV or something like that, you know, one of those like tube TVs or something. So uh, Kessler told her that he was planning on placing the video makeover system in several Midwestern hair salons, but he needed money from her for an investment. A wealthy friend gave her $50,000 in a loan that Kessler would pay her later. The business account was then placed in Catherine's name. A few days later, he moved into her basement to help help him with creating the business. Okay, Wikia, she, okay, a few days later... He moved into her basement, okay, to help help her with creating the business. Although the relationship was originally platonic, he later tried to romance Catherine. Three weeks later, Kessler's conquest was complete. He bought her a brand new king size bed that he would they would share. <laughs> yeah. I love that that's the that's the moment when it became for real the relationship. Yeah. He bought a new bed.
0: That, that and she was like, you know, they're interviewing her and she was like she was so, because on on the one hand she's like this is fucking creepy, but then on the other hand he was so like enthusiastic about it, and it was a you know it's a new king size bed, and he's like, I have a new bed for us, so we can sleep, and you love it, don't you? And she's like, um, well, yeah, it's great. Okay, that's great. Now can you take off your knickers and we can in with the sexin <laughs>
1: So he then began controlling every decision she made, choosing her wardrobe, makeup, and even jewelry. He even convinced her to lease a Cadillac with several expensive additions. The payment would be over $500 per Phew. month, which she thought was too much. However, he was still able to convince her to go through with the purchase. That's a lot in today's money, even. 500 a yeah. month for a car. Like, it Seems like not only was she really naive, but she was also extremely easily manipulated. It's that it's that accent, dude. And he's
0: Oncha, You can afford the cars. You should buy the auto, and we can drive together. Doesn't that sound like fun?
1: So Kessler deprived Catherine of sleep, forcing her to work with him at night on their business. Even though she, that even though she had worked all day at the salon, he often asked her for large cash advances that were supposed to go to other employees. He also asked her to put twenty seven thousand dollars of her own money into the business. It was then. That she finally began to suspect that he was a con artist. <laughs> at that point in time, it's too late, really. Yeah. Eventually, Kessler ended the relationship and moved out of Catherine's apartment. On the day he was supposed to repay her for the loan, she met him at a bar. He told her that a special check was supposed to come for her. However, it never came. She attempted to write a check to her friend that had given her the loan, but unfortunately, the check bounced. Kessler left without paying her back any of the money that he had taken from her and in the end, she lost over $75,000 to him. She was forced into bankruptcy and had to sell her business. Authorities later identified Kessler as con man Edward Maynard. However, he had left town before he could be arrested.
0: Yeah, I liked that scene in the bar because she was basically like, you know, she had, or he had fucked her over and she had this good friend that had loaned her the $50,000 check and she was pretty much having to go to her friend, tail tucked between her legs and be like, yeah, I don't have your money. Sorry. And I think also
1: one of her friends was also saying like, are you sure this guy's legit? Are you sure you want to trust him? You know, you've only been met him once.
0: Yeah. W- which is unfortunate that her, her benefactor didn't, didn't uh, put her through that level of scrutiny. Cause her, her, be- her, her, the person who wrote her the check trusted her so much and was so close to her, she didn't even think twice when she asked for fifty thousand dollars. Her friend was just like, "Yeah, sure." Uh-huh. So she like visits this guy after he's moved out and shit. I'm surprised she she was even able to get one last encounter with him. And he does what every bullshit fraudster piece of crap does, and she he's just like, "Uncle, of course I have I have a a special courier bringing a check for seventy five thousand dollars." It's for coming the morning, I promise you. And she's like, okay, I guess. And I think she knew that <laughs> was going to happen. And she even woke up the next day, and the bartender was calling her, being like, hey, that guy didn't pay his tab last night. Like, man, that guy's a piece of shit. Ger- yeah, he's a creep. Germans are usually much more industrious people than that. I- I'm I'm surprised.
1: Maybe he's not actually German. Maybe he's just making shit up. It's just a... It's just a- Fake accent. What
0: if he ever like yelled at her? Like if the Ger- the angry German came out later on when like she already figured out she was being screwed and he's just like, "Du kannst später schlafen. Du arbeitest
1: jetzt." <clears throat> <clears throat> so uh, he was actually captured. Viewers' tips led to an author- led authorities to uh, Naples, Florida, Florida again. Ah, damn, Jeez. man. Uh, where Maynard was living under the alias Eric Kelly. Authorities learned that in December of 1990, he became romantically involved with Anne. He persuaded her to loan him $15,000, then left with the money. How is this guy just so suave and so easily able to swindle all these older women out of his money? Out of their money. Especially looking as ugly as he does. Yeah. He is not a good-looking man. No. In February of 1991, he showed up in San Antonio again using the alias Eric Kelly. He asked yet another woman to loan him some money. At first, she refused. However, when he became loud and angry, she decided to loan him the money. See there. After that, she never saw him again. When she contacted the police, they realized that Kelly was being profiled on Unsolved Mysteries. Four days later, another viewer's tip placed Maynard in Houston, Texas. He was arrested by the FBI at a Houston hotel. However, he was released on bail and he fled the area. Three years later, he was captured in Toledo, Ohio, and sentenced to seven and a half years in prison. He served five years and has since been released.
0: Schade, as they might say in German. Shame. Shame that he was released. And he's probably dead, too, because, I mean, he looked pretty fucking old in this picture here that's probably, like, 30 years old, because Unsolved Mysteries is incredibly old show, unfortunately. But, uh, know, that's just, that's just the way it is. Um. Yeah, this was a good case though. It was it was a fun watch.
1: I mean, the guy didn't really look like Menyard, but the performance was good. Like the guy was it was a good uh performance by the actor who was playing the the fraudster. Yeah. Um, all right. But it's so it's but some of these you really I do feel sympathetic for the people who lose their money. But then part of it's like you know should have figured it out early on, you know, there's a lot of there's so many red flags. It's like yeah. <laughs> All right, this next case, Andolina Gonzalez. Again, I
0: I hate to be crude here, but the mugshot, I I I got to use the fart analogy again it, because the it's a it's like a too much It's a
1: before and after. Right. It's a before and after fart shot. <laughs>
0: It is. It is a before and after. So it's got her first mugshot where she's holding an inch and she's really uncomfortable. And then the second mugshot is just the utter relief and, and joy of being able to release said fart. God, I am so immature. I'm sorry. I know, like, this... I don't know, man. Like, I still find farts funny. Maybe it's... Maybe it's because I'm a man. I don't know. Um, maybe it's because I'm a guy. Um... Hashtag the patriarchy, but now we're getting to this case of uh, Angelina Gonzalez, and it's not Angelina, no, no, Andolina. So, didn't know that was a name that existed. And
1: she uh, escaped with a lot of dough. Oh, wow.
0: Uh, you know, Mike, I, I think I think for like a 1960s or 1970s sitcom, you would have been the shit, right? Like a writer on there, <laughs> like you would have wrote all the good jokes. <laughs> um. alright so anyway this bitch housekeeper Andalina Gonzalez is wanted for stealing from her employer a former Los Angeles judge named Leland Guiler Guiler is legally blind oh that motherfucker is blind cause they interview his ass and he got that one weird fucking white eyeball Um, he's legally blind and he's confined to a wheelchair
1: Jesus as if bl- being blind wasn't enough yeah I mean it, it's he's severely disabled and this bitch uses
0: him well you know that's what you get for a lifetime of judging people but um oh Oh. um his he he began his career as a police hey i'm a police officer he began his career as a police officer in 1937 holy shit this is an old show (laughs) Uh, people were still alive on this show that were alive in or, you know starting at their career as a police officer in 1937. Uh, that just shows you that the show hasn't been on for a while. So anyway, 11 years later, he became a corporate attorney. By 1966, he'd been appointed as a municipal court judge. Along the way, he amassed a small fortune and traveled in social circles that included the rich and powerful. I am feeling less and less bad for this person as the moment passes. yeah, He moved into a well-appointed house in the fashionable part of Los Angeles. By the early 1970s, he had retired from the bench and his wealth was declining.
1: But then again, think about it. We don't know exactly what sort of things he did or exactly who he was associating with. He could have been one of those rich guys who you know, was not really an asshole. He just hung around with you know, a bunch of assholes. So you're saying maybe
0: he's like an Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince type judge?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, and I said his his uh, wealth was declining. It's that his health was declining. My ability to read is also declining. <laughs> In 1981, he and his wife divorced. He became increasingly independent on his housekeeper, Sophia.
1: Who was good? Independent. Whatever. Did I say independent? <laughs> increasingly independent? Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. Again, my reading skills are declining. <laughs> So Sophia was the good one, but in 1986, after six years of devoted service, Sophia decided to leave Giler. However, she wanted to stay until she found a suitable replacement. Again, what a good shit she didn't have to do that. Yeah. Through an employment agency and newspaper ads, Giler began the interview process. Over the next year, he would hire three different housekeepers. However, none of them lasted more than a few months. Finally, in July of 1988, the perfect candidate showed up andalina addy gonzalez i guess addy is a nickname she was unmarried with no children or outside responsibilities hey i can relate to her on that one she said she had worked for many years as a housekeeper she gave the names of several prominent families in los angeles which apparently wowed
1: the judge and Sophia. you would think that they would do extra background checks you know?
0: Especially Mr. Fancy. It just because Judge-
1: somebody Yeah, because just because somebody says, Oh, I, I worked for these prominent families, I'd want to call those families up, and they might be families that he might actually know personally.
0: So yeah, it's like she just went in there and she's like, Tommy Hilfiger. And they're like, oh <laughs> Steve Jobs. Oh, oh. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Okay, you're hired. That's we've heard enough. You've said enough names that are, uh, are people that exist that are famous. We, you, you're, you got the job. So anyway, Geyler and Sophia were impressed by Gonzalez, and she was hired soon after. Geyler was convinced that he had made the right choice. Gonzalez was attentive and diligent. She seemed to be genuinely concerned for his well-being. Before long, she made herself indispensable. She familiarized herself with Geyler's house and affairs. She soon took full responsibility for handling the day-to-day financial matters. Geiler trusted her implicitly. He allowed her to use some of his credit cards and even gave her access uh, to his bank accounts.
1: Big mistake.
0: How the fuck did this guy ever become a judge again? I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, not using very good judge judgiery discretion. Is Judge a not word?
1: Using, not using very good judgment.
0: There, there you go. Gonzalez used Guiler's ATM card to take out the maximum amount of money allowed three hundred dollars however she did this every other day for months in the end she took fifty eight thousand dollars just through atm uh, withdrawals that's a nice paycheck don't you think mike
1: yeah and, and you would think that the bank would be a little suspicious of that too you know do their due diligence and make some judgments themselves and call up guyler and be like uh Every other day, your housekeeper is taking out three hundred dollars out of your account. Just, just want to let you know, uh, she might be trying to, you know, steal money from you. Maybe. Well, maybe because know.
0: this bitch did this um, is why we have the the thing the things in p- in play that we do now. Oh, which by the way, adjusting for inflation, three hundred dollars in what nineteen eighty nine or whatever. That equals uh, that's equivalent to six hundred and twenty-four dollars in today's money. Dang. So, Mike, would you work for someone if you got paid six hundred and twenty-four dollars every other
1: day, being their, yeah. their butler? If, if it was legitimate, and I'm not stealing money from them. <laughs> see, that's the thing. Oh yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, would that's... you work for them if if you if you steal money from the, from their account? No. Well, that's the problem. Or they let you steal money from their account? That's the issue. So, Guiler had
0: no idea this was occurring, obviously. Her scheme went far beyond money. Giler's house was furnished with a lifetime of priceless objects. Gonzalez removed the expensive furniture, paintings, and other objects from the home. She then... This is kind of ingenious. She then, yeah, it she is. then replaced these objects with inexpensive items. As What a crafty bitch. As a result... Guyler had no idea that the original items were missing as he could only feel the objects and not see them. Which, yeah, I mean, it's like, is this this object here or isn't it? That's all I know. She's such a crafty, see you next Tuesday. Uh, (laughs) I never heard that one. It's pretty good. Mike's, uh, he spelt out cunt there in a very clever way for those (laughs) not uh, following, keeping track. You ruined it. Sorry. Um, so anyway, on several occasions, Gonzalez treated herself to vacations in Europe or Hawaii. I mean, hey, why not? I mean, you know, you're stealing all that money. You gotta spend it somehow. She also bought expensive gifts for her friends. When questioned by Guiler, she claimed that she paid for everything with her own money. As the, okay. as the months passed, she began to neglect his needs. The house fell into disrepair. That's kind on of yeah, uh, sad. On one of her infrequent visits, Sophia was shocked to discover that Guyler was living in squalor, she was even more disturbed to discover that he did not understand what was happening around
1: him. Well, of course, like she, she just is like, "I got your money. I don't. I'm not gonna do uh, your dirty work anymore. Fuck you." Again, I can't get over how
0: good of a goddamn uh, maid or whatever you want to call her housekeeper that Sophia was. She came yeah. back to visit this judge just to visit him. And and she saw he was being fucked over, and um, I I don't think she you know really could prove it though you know but she suspected it. By 1991, Gonzalez had almost completely depleted Judge Guiler's bank accounts. However, she wasn't finished. She next tried to convince him to sell his house. Wow. <laughs> she was gonna put this old ass man out on the street if she could help it. Before Gonzalez could complete the sale, a worried Sofita dropped by for a visit. She discovered that practically everything in his house was gone. Gonzalez claimed that Guyler was moving to Arizona and that all his furniture was packed in the basement, which, why you would ever do that, I don't know. You're making so much more work. And also, he has
1: so much... He has so much expensive furniture that... It's, there's no way it's gonna fit all in the basement, and Sophia knew that. She's like, no, it's t- it's too small. Yeah. So Sophia called Guiler's
0: attorney and told him that Gonzalez was up to no good. When confronted, Gonzalez managed to stall. Then, in January of 1992, she cleaned out Guiler's few remaining possessions and disappeared. Over a five-year period, she had robbed him of over half a million dollars in cash oh. and property. Damn. Again, let's inflate that to today's money. Half a million. Oh. So that's 500000 Ouch! Ouch. So she robbed him of... Okay, so in today's money, that would be $1,040,417. Yep. So yeah, considerably more monies. He was very upset when he learned that she had robbed him and, and disposed of his irreplaceable items. He and Sophia hope that she can be caught and sent to prison for her crimes.
1: Well, I mean I would hope you'd be upset. You you that would be really strange if it was one of those weird reactions where it's the opposite. He it's got like, like a, a a massive
0: boner <laughs> from it. He's like, "Oh yeah,
1: I love being taken advantage of. Oh, it's so hot." <laughs> oh, I think it's one of those uh, <sighs> early findom things. Have you heard about findom? Fend like yeah. Yeah, yeah findom. It's called findom because th- th- this actually is a real thing, folks where some guys and i don't i think there might be some girls get off on it too they get off on the fact that they give their money to some random stranger on the internet like just oh just steal my money oh just empty me of my wallet you know it's like what the hell is wrong with you (laughs) they're just actively just giving their money to some slut on the internet i would hate for like
0: I think I think that last thing you're talking about if someone from a third world country were to hear the ridiculousness of that kind of thing I think they would get so angry that they'd like be able to like sprout wings and like fly over to <laughs> the US and just start killing people with super mutant powers <laughs> of anger and rage <laughs> <laughs> You mean I have not been able to eat in 2 months all my family is dead and you are giving your money to some whore because it gives you a boner? I can't take this shit anymore! I, I hate you, America! <laughs> so, uh, Gonzales was last seen in February of 92 in Scottsdale, Arizona. Investigators believe that she may now be living with another elderly or disabled person, quite possibly operating the same scam. Oh, yeah. She used to in Arizona violence.
1: is a good place, you know. There's a lot of that's where a lot of uh, older people go to retire. It's where Don Devereaux lives, everybody unsolved mysteries. Own Don Devereaux.
0: I think he lives in Phoenix. Um. So the result of this is uh, she the bitch was captured in January of 2000. In the year 2000, Alina Gonzalez was finally arrested in Mexico City. Sadly, just a few weeks later, Judge Geiler passed away. He was 84. Without the prime witness, the charges against Gonzalez were dropped and she was released.
1: Oh, that
0: stings.
1: Yep. Well, what also stings is this uh this bit that was not mentioned on the po- on uh well not in the podcast not yet what it will be and not on uh the segment uh, geler was accused of lewd misconduct sexual harassment and sexual assault while working as a judge he was removed from his position in 1973 as a result now I feel even less worse for this guy I did not know about that until now so yeah hmm um yeah I mean you know i i kind of would you know want to see all of the facts there because sometimes you know you you see that stuff and then you read up on it some more, and then it seems kind of shady, like somebody was trying to blackmail somebody, or get somebody out of out of a position, And but on face value, does not look good. Regardless, I, I don't know if I agree with the whole, like, oh, he deserved to lose all his money or something, you know, I don't know. It's like one of those things that's like, eh. But, eh... I don't know. My whole thing
0: is uh, the amount of people who get away with scummy shit and never get their comeuppance when when yeah. they do get get it. I I tend to enjoy that. If the you know I don't know what what's what the dealio. I don't know any of the facts. Yeah, I in don't this know case. all the
1: facts in that case. So if I if if it was totally concrete, then I'd be like you know, uh, you know it's it's still pretty lame and shitty what Andalina did. Uh, makes the whole maid industry, you know, the 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 profession of, of maids look really shitty, because and shady, and you you could make uh, people not want to hire maids. <laughs> but at the same time, if he did do that shit, then it's like it is kind of karma coming back to to roost. And then there's another thing where the whole like you should have known better, like you didn't do any extra background checks or anything. So. It's still a good case. It's another case that's um, not on. Mike,
0: yeah, I'm being triggered. You're blaming the victim right now. Can you please stop? <laughs> you said he should have known. You're blaming the victim. Triggered. <laughs> oh, my God. That We had to have at least <laughs> lost one. What, do you have a vibrator in your pants or <laughs> in something? In my ass, like, yeah, as absolutely. Yes, I do. And it's set to maximum frequency. Because that's the only thing that calms me down when I get that triggered, folks. We had to have at least lost one listener from that just then. Uh, at least one. I don't know.
1: All right, so moving yeah, on. This is another segment that is not on Amazon Prime as well. Oh, damn. So. I,
0: I sure know how to pick them, don't I? Yeah. I sure have perfect memory of things that I definitely don't well, have Well, and the last of.
1: one that we're going to talk about is also not on Amazon, so... Um, Damn. And let me just
0: say, okay, this is this is the case of Melvin uh, a prelay. You said uh, a preal. It's not. It's it's like a-, a prelay. That's how they say it in the segment. They don't say a preal. Uh, but any, okay. regardless, um, you say it however the fuck you want, Mike. You're a star. But I want to say that uh, this case, uh, this this reenactment, uh, it, it has some of the worst acting in it.
1: Yes, it I does. think I've
0: seen in a while on this show.
1: <laughs> Stole all my money, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then the cop, sir, sir, show me your hands. Show me your hands right now. Let me see them. Do it right now. Show me your hands, sir. Yeah, it's it's Just it's, all it's, it's glorious
1: though. Oh, glorious. It, it's it's bad, but it's it's glorious at the same time. The case. It's a good case, case too. Yeah, the case is good. So this is a case of Melvin. Aprile. Melvin Aprile is wanted for theft, fraud, forgery, and kidnapping. She and her husband, Jimmy, met while both were students at the University of South Florida.
0: What the fuck is 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 the Florida thing? Why is my state so fucking shady? No pun intended. Sunshine State.
1: (laughs) Uh, Sunshine State, yeah, right. Shady State. That's Yeah, for real. It should
0: be called the fucking shade. And I mean, it wouldn't be far off because it rains... Like, during the summer, it rains the entire summer, so, I mean, it's not like that would be inaccurate. (laughs) I don't know if that's a global warming thing or if it's always been like that, but Jesus Christ, I don't remember it raining this much all the fucking time. Like, it has the past two summers. Yeah.
1: So, Jimmy was from a wealthy family while she was from a poor background. They married in 1971 and had two children, Tony and Sherry. Jimmy worked in real estate, buying apartment complexes and undeveloped land. Over a few years, he amassed over 100 different properties. At one point, his assets were worth $4.5 million. Although Jimmy was rich in material goods, he was poor in health. At the age of 32, he weighed 428 pounds. Damn! His weight, coupled with chronic phlebitis, led led to cardiac arrest in December of 1981. He was in a coma for three days and spent a month in the hospital. Melvin was almost always at his side in late December. He was finally able to go home. However, he was virtually an invalid and doctors believed that any serious stress could kill him. As a result of his condition, Jimmy was unable to oversee his business affairs. As a result, Melvin handled every aspect of the business. Jimmy became detached from his day-to-day operations and as time passed, he even refused to take phone calls. In 1986 with his health still poor, he finally decided to lose the weight that was slowly killing him. He began a crash diet and lost 209 pounds in 6 months. Please for the love for of God, him.
0: Jimmy, please tell me how you did it, buddy. I'm I'm having a damned old time just losing 10 fucking pounds and you're losing 209 pounds. What the What what depressing ass diet were you on where you were able to He must have literally been eating strips of cardboard boxes. Yeah, how
1: the hell did he lose that much? Like that's insane that's, was he taking those the, uh horse pills or something i've heard some people have taken you know the, they're they're meant for horses and they take them and then it makes them lose a shit ton of weight and it's like illegal that's like uh that that's that's an unhealthy
0: amount of weight to lose that quickly almost like in six
1: months six yeah. months i mean what is that how many i'm surprised i'm surprised the doctor even was like okay with that So that's Within 24 doctor, weeks be like,
0: whoa that's 24 weeks six months is 24 weeks so what's that uh Two oh nine divided by twenty four, so he was losing. He was losing close to
1: nine pounds a week. But keep in mind, he, his life was threatened, so the doctor might have been like, "Well, you know, if you didn't lose the weight, you'd probably be dead." So, uh, just to, whatever you're doing is working. To lose that you amount of weight
0: without gastric bypass, even is even that's even more impressive.
1: Yeah. So in 1988, Melvine convinced Jimmy to sell their home in Tampa and move to Carmel, California, where Tony could live better with his asthma. She continued to oversee Jimmy's real estate business and was forced to commute cross-country, spending four days a week in Tampa. In early January of 1989, Jimmy realized that he had, not yet seen, he had not seen a bank statement for months. He asked Melvine to show him the most recent one, and when he saw the statement, he noticed that the accounts were misnumbered. It also appeared that the statement had been tampered with. Melvine told him that she would take care of it. Two weeks later, at around 9 p.m. on January 18th, 1989, Jimmy and a friend came back from church to find his house empty, along with his bank accounts. Melvine left behind a note which said, Jimmy, the children and I are fine. We're spending some time together to make up for the times I was away. We haven't been abducted, and I'm not having an affair. It's just the children and me getting reacquainted. We love you, Mel. <laughs> what a weak ass like
0: Yeah, it is. You know. Oh, that this will this will satisfy him, you know.
1: I mean, come on. Somebody the only time that somebody writes a letter where they say we haven't been abducted is when somebody has been abducted. <laughs> <laughs> or they're not having an affair. They th- that's this is all she had an affair, she abducted the kids, she stole your money. So, at approximately 11 p.m., Jimmy decided to start searching for his wife and children. He and his friends searched the surrounding neighborhoods. At a phone booth, he called home. However, they did not answer. As he left the phone booth, he encountered a police officer who arrested him. And apparently was also uh, a really piss-poor actor that they either picked up off the street or uh, answered some... uh, ad in the newspaper i almost feel like i
0: almost feel like uh like the 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 guy the actor who was really supposed to play the cop on set that day just like quit or something without notice and like john cosgrove just got one of the grips or something to like stand in (laughs) i mean dude it it was so bad like his performance was just (laughs) like stop stop it right there let me see your hands let me see your hands It's almost like he, he, uh, it's like you might as well put him through like one of those speech synthesizers on the computer or something. (laughs) Stop. Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Don't move. Don't move.
1: (laughs) Oh, so he was a text to speech program that came to life. Yep. (laughs) Uh, That is a great way of putting it. And the actor played Jimmy wasn't much better.
0: (laughs) She stole all my money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) what she stole all my money yeah it was yeah when it was revealed to him on the phone by his accountant or whatever Uh, it's my money uh, and i need it now call jg (laughs) i don't know do you have those stupid jg
1: wentworth commercials oh yeah i i remember those commercials though yeah i do remember those
0: I have a structured settlement. Yeah. I have da, a structural <laughs> s- structured settlement and I need cash now. JG Wentworth <laughs> 877 <seven>, Cash Now.
1: <laughs> Jesus, what? Do you remember that ad where they were like singing in a bus or some yeah, shit? Yeah, that's and there was like a Viking.
0: Yeah, and he's this stupid construction worker. He's all like <laughs>
1: fucking
0: fat and gross. He's like, I have a structured settlement, but I need cash now like what would the fraud version of that be um i man i can't i i have i would have something good for that if you gave me a little time but i can't my my brain is is not firing on all cylinders right now
1: maybe you can add it later Uh, maybe so so um at approximately 11 p.m he started searching for his wife encountered uh this really bad cop who can't act and, uh, earlier they see- received an anonymous tip about a stolen car identical to Jimmy's. When they spotted him, they assumed he was a thief, and a few minutes later, he was released. Police found Melvine's car at the airport. There was a long-term parking ticket on the window and a $10 bill inside. At first, he believed that they had been abducted. He feared that the kidnappers would use Melvin to steal money from their accounts. He called the banks to freeze them, only to learn that there was no money left. And that's where he had the whole, THERE'S NO MONEY?! <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> Melvina stole two million dollars from him. She had stolen two million. Okay. Closed his accounts and abducted Tony and Sherry. It's bad enough that she stole all your fucking money. She stole your fortune. She stole two million dollars. She also took the kids. I. Come on. And again, people, in
0: today's money, that would be $4,161,668.04.
1: So, Jimmy now believes that she called in the fake tip to police in order to buy more time for herself. As a result of losing his money, Jimmy had to move back to Florida and live with his parents. Oh,
0: what a kick in the balls that would be. You're this fucking millionaire just balling. Yeah, he
1: was a self-made guy, and now he had to go back home and be like, yeah... You know, his, lost all my money. His Melvin took me. He had to deal. He, for he had ride. to yet again
0: deal with like his mom walking into his room as he's trying to jerk off. Mom, doesn't anyone knock anymore? <laughs> Jimmy, I was a
1: millionaire. Jimmy, you're
0: gonna go blind if you keep touching that thing. Shut up, mom! I'm 42
1: years old, <laughs> and I was a millionaire. I had it all. Could have been a contender. I could, I could masturbate where, whenever I wanted, wherever I wanted to.
0: I would, I would special order Cambodian tears from um, poor migrant children to masturbate with when I was at the height of my millions. Now I have to just use plain old Jergens.
1: <laughs> so uh, his once a millionaire, his fortune had been reduced to just three hundred and eighty-six dollars. That's more than I have in my bank account right now, so... <laughs> well, I mean, that's
0: it's, it's not really too hard to beat you out there at home, Mike. Not trying to <laughs> yeah, I, I rub know. salt in those wounds or
1: anything. but uh, it's No, it's fine. It's fine. As time passed, the details and extent of Melvine's theft began to emerge. By taking out second mortgages on his real estate, Melvine had managed to convert his assets into untraceable cash. This allowed the banks to foreclose and then confiscate the properties. She also convinced bank employees to accept her signature and documents instead of her husband's by having someone pose as Jimmy on the phone. She also had a friend impersonate him and sign deeds at the bank so that she could take out the equity out of pieces of the property. They went so far as to get a friend, the friend a fake ID, identifying him as Jimmy April.
0: That's crazy. They got somebody to impersonate the husband so he could come in and sign documents. Yeah.
1: She had this all thought out.
0: And see, it's these white collar c- crimes where like the bank officials, they don't they don't think, you know, they think some guy with some like dirty t shirt's going to come in and pull some shit like that. They don't expect some nicely dressed person to come in with some, you know, another nicely dressed person, you know, maybe middle age.
1: Yeah. And be like nowadays, it's like even scarier because apparently like people could just call up your bank or whatever and and gives a few little bits of information and then Got access to to all of your information.
0: Well, that's why you should stay poor, Mike. Because when you don't have any money to take from, then it's not a it's not a threat. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, it still happened. <laughs> I don't know if I told you this, but um, I, somehow somebody did get a hold of my uh, information, and they weren't very clever about it. It was like it must have been some kind of teenager or something, or some uh, loser adult who just you know spends all the time in his basement playing video games because. They bought a PlayStation Network subscription, some Steam games, something from some company called Orange Recharge to or recharge the minutes on their phone, and like they and it was all at once. Like, not none of it was like, let's wait a little bit. No, all at once. So then my bank was immediately suspicious and nipped that shit in the bud, and n- nothing ever came out of my account because it was all canceled and never approved, and so they never. They never got their PlayStation subscription. They never got their Orange Recharge credit card. It was, it was probably you know, Dennis Farina's nephew. Card. <laughs> Dennis Farina's nephew.
0: Yeah, he heard our podcast, and he's like, yeah, fuck you. My uncle was pretty cool. I thought he did a great job on Unsolved Mysteries.
1: Uh. So, But what's crazy is I found that out during finals week. I got a call from my bank during finals week at college and i'm like great i I, I, just what i need right now it's already stressful enough yeah that's the that's (laughs) the messed
0: up thing about life life doesn't care if you already got a bunch of shit going on it'll toss whatever shit's coming to you it's going to toss at you one way or the other if you're ready
1: for it or not just like jimmy was definitely not ready for this he had all these health problems and then lost all his money so, uh, investigators also believe that Melvin may have duped a private investigator into falsifying documents in order to facilitate her escape. She allegedly told him that her husband was an organized crime and that she had to disappear without a trace or else she'd be killed. She paid $12,000 to have the documents repaired so that she could disappear. In order to successfully vanish, she had to change the identities of her children as well. In her last meeting with the investigator, the two set up a house in a new location they also had furniture and the school picked out for the children during the meeting. They had also discussed what she had planned to tell the children. They decided that she would either tell them that their father has died and she was too upset to stay for the funeral or that he had gone crazy and was a danger to them. In August, prosecutors fled filed 27 charges. If they fled 27 charges, that that, that would be strange, including grand theft for- and forgery against Malvine. She, Tony, and Sherry had not been seen in almost a year. But there's an update to this case. Captured. In March of 1990, Melvine was arrested in Costa Rica. Tony and Sherry were found safe, and they were reunited with Jimmy shortly after. After returning to Florida, Melvine was convicted of 20 charges, including grand theft and forgery. And she was sentenced to five years in prison and 20 years probation. She has since been released.
0: I wonder if Tony stabbed his dad, uh, too, for... (laughs) for getting uh the mom locked up. Oh man. And he kept the weight off too in the uh segment he looked quite, you know, trim though he did have some of that loose dangly skin around his face, but hey, better than being dead. Mhm. Yeah, that was nuts too cuz he almost he had that heart attack or he almost had that heart attack when he was like in his like 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 early 30s, which scares me cuz like I'm going to be in my
1: early 30s soon. What did you hear about what happened to uh John Schnepp? Uh, he he actually directed some episodes of Metal Apocalypse. I can't say that fucking name. Metal Apocalypse or whatever the hell it is. Um, it was an adult Slim show. And he also did the documentary uh, The Death of Superman Lives, which is about Tim Burton's Superman Lives that was going to star Nicolas Cage and was going to be crazy. And it was a really good documentary. And he actually passed away recently. And he wasn't that old either. So... But he was also overweight and didn't seem like he was in the best of shape. So this is one of those things like you guys got to keep in mind, you know, that kind of thing. But, and I'm trying to cut back on some stuff. I'm trying to eat healthier myself.
0: I am too. I'm, I just keep getting perpetually fatter and fat like gain. I just keep gaining weight and I just can't seem to like plug the hole. Um, I wish I would plug my mouth hole. That would be great. That sounded sexual. Anyway, um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very. <laughs> I say that as I'm going to my boot rack gig tonight, which is a a gay bar. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you've been you've been going to that boot rack too many times, Josh. You know
0: what? I, I honestly that's my fu- that's my most fun gig cuz I actually like let loose and sing there. Um because I, you know,
1: I, I think it has more. That's not the only thing you let loose, right? My God. The amount of
0: jokes I've gotten <laughs> about working at the boot rack. But anyway, I think um, I think that's the end of the podcast, right? I mean, that's all the cases we have. Yeah. We blew through those with some fucking efficiency. Mm-hmm. How'd you guys like that? this episode? Do you like it? Yeah, I can't hear you. You're
1: asking me? No, I'm asking the audience.
0: How did you what did you guys? I want you to verbally answer right now. I don't care if you're by yourself or you're in a car or you're around someone. What what did and I'm speaking to you specifically right now, listening. What did what did you think about this podcast? Let me know. Just say it out loud. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. Alright. Yeah, you know, who the fuck asked for your opinion anyway? God, I swear you people are so ungrateful sometimes. All right, that's. That's the end of the podcast. Um, Awkward as always. As always, you know me, bringing the awkwardness. Uh, if you want to follow me and Michelle on YouTube separately, but also very equally, you can do so. Mike's YouTube channel is youtube.com/slash OCP Communications. He's a movie guy. He does the movie reviews. Mm-hmm. What was the last thing you reviewed, Mike?
1: Jurassic Park Fallen. Actually Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom It might as well be Jurassic Park Because it's essentially just another Jurassic Park sequel But it's a sequel to Jurassic World Okay
0: now where are we at with the Jurassic Park movies I'm really confused You have the, It's the fifth one You have the first Jurassic Park Released in what 91? 90, 92? 93. 93 Then you have the second Jurassic Park What's that one called? The Lost World, Lost World. Okay I remember that one That was like 97 or 98 right?
1: Yeah, 97 or something like that. And yeah. then
0: you have the third one, which was called what?
1: Jurassic Park 3. Gra-
0: okay, they got real original with the titles there with the naming. And that came out probably in the 2000s at some point. Probably yeah. sucked, I would imagine.
1: I mean, a lot of people hate it, but I actually don't mind it. I think it's it's fun. And then you had the fourth one, that was the the big deal,
0: right? That one Jurassic World. And that one came out like like in 2016, didn't it?
1: I think it might have came out before that, but I could be wrong. But there but was like a lot of hype now. around it, wasn't there? Yeah.
0: And how, what was, was that one good?
1: I didn't really care for it. I know a lot of people did, liked it, and thought it was a dumb, fun movie, but I felt the sequel was a better example of a dumb, fun, big, loud popcorn movie. And so the one, but the one, that- I'm in kind of the minority because a lot of, a lot of the, the new one has gotten a lot of bad reviews. So then, the newest
0: one. What, when did that come out? The Jurassic Five.
1: Uh, that came out a few uh a few weeks ago, like a couple weeks ago or something. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah, dude. I like a, a month ago or something around there. I
0: can't keep up with any but, of that shit, man. I'm so behind on the time. It came
1: out. I think it did come out in July. I think I could be wrong though.
0: I just said Jurassic Maybe Five. There's actually a rap group called Jurassic Five. I just thought about that. Um. <laughs> anyway. Um. All right. My YouTube channel is youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts and the last video I did was my top 10 uh, really it's my top 10 favorite documentaries of all time but because you have to play into YouTube's stupid ass algorithms and shit I had to give it some snappy controversial title so I said like the top 10 most controversial documentaries blah 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 but really it's just my top 10 favorites but you know I'm trying to play the game and you did a good job with that video. I liked it. I thought, Yeah, good. I thought I'm I I, thought, I, I'm real proud of that one. And it's doing a little better than my other ones have been. So I, I have faith that maybe if I just stick it out on YouTube, maybe things will get better.
1: But um, yeah, there's some great... I don't know. With YouTube just burying videos without letting anybody know, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't
0: know. <laughs> it's a good thing I love doing this. Because if not, then, man, I just, I just fucking would have given it up a long time ago.
1: But um I wouldn't blame you,
0: yeah buy a shirt um, support us on the internet I guess or' something and um I don't know why I feel I, I'm looking at the time here and it's about normal time I guess I guess uh <laughs> I don't have a flashy way to exit this so why can't why can't I exit right now Mike I'm having a hard time discharging <laughs> Anyway, until next week, we'll see you later. Fucking bye. See ya. (laughs) Fucking bye. What's up, everybody? Josh here. Just wanted to let everyone know that my new album, The Nightmare Inside You, is now available on Bandcamp, Spotify, and iTunes. Thank you for any and all support. It means the world to me.
1: They're not as shitty as HughesNet HughesNet is way worse I don't even know what that is It's some uh, company that uh, preys on people Who live in uh, The boonies Or or, uh, people who don't have uh, A lot And uh, money to pay for internet And They lock you into some crazy contract That you can't even get out of In order to get out of it You have to pay hundreds of dollars and then even if you get out of it They still are like Return the equipment And then you return it And then they're like you, You're missing this particular part If you don't get this part off the satellite dish um, Which involves you getting on top of the roof And removing something off a satellite dish Despite there's all these warnings That say danger uh, radio- Radiation warning or some shit the They fuck? still expect you to take that off and if you don't take it off yourself, then they'll send out somebody themselves to do it, and the and the, and the people that they send out is going to cost you even more money. Oh, yeah,
0: of course. It's that's the bu- bureaucracy that we live in. Uh, everything Ever so all Comcast of that Comcast is
1: nearly money. as shitty as HughesNet. And HughesNet also lies to people by saying it had you could get a certain amount of internet, you know, get a certain speed, but really it's like just as slow as dial up and in some ways even worse. Yeah, that's and how you got data caps too. That's so, how AT&T yeah. was
0: out here. We tried to switch from Comcast to AT&T, and AT&T did just their speeds were piss poor. I mean, mm-hmm. it was like DSL level. Yeah. It would have been great. Be- it would have been great if it was like 2004. I mean, the speeds yeah. would have been great if it was like 15 <laughs> years ago. But for like yeah. nowadays, it's like really wow. This is like, like so. As much as we hated the monopolization. Going on with uh, Comcast, I almost said podcast. Uh, in our area, <laughs> we had to just suck it up and go back to uh, Comcast. Yeah.
1: So speaking of fraud, because that's essentially <laughs> what HughesNet is doing, to be honest, is just frauding people all over the place. And if you try to leave their con their shitty contract without uh, going up to the amount that they say that you should go to, like that, they, they even say like. Oh, there's a certain grace period. But even if you try to leave during that grace period, because there's in the fine print, it says some shady shit that makes it to so the grace period doesn't mean anything. But if you didn't know that and you try to leave, they'll say you can't leave. You still need to pay uh, uh, the hundreds of dollars in order to cancel the contract. And if you don't, we'll send out uh, debt collectors on you. Jesus Christ. That's yeah. a, that
0: sounds like some very regional specific company that was just named after some guy named like Donnie Hughes or something. He's like, <laughs> hey, I'm going to stop my own internet company. Uh, hey, you want some cheap internet, right? All right. Yeah, we'll give you cheap internet. Just sign on this dotted line here. Ha, sucker. Uh, <laughs> like, I
1: don't know. And if you give them your uh, information, your your billing information, which you would think would be safe, they there's actually cases of them taking money out of people's accounts without telling them.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, Comcast does all this shit, too, but it, they, they're, they're a little bit more above board it's about it. It's not
1: nearly as bad as that.
0: Yeah, well, either way, I, I wish there were more options out there besides just...
1: I don't even... But the thing with Comcast is don't, don't make it so it automatically bills your account. If you don't want to have to deal with that kind of thing possibly happening with being double billed by accident or these other things then don't do it that way. Just pay it uh, when you can pay it and don't do auto billing.